2: Once again, wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of All Steelers Talk brought to you by All Steelers on Sports Illustrated. Go ahead, and find us on Twitter at SI on Sports Steelers. Give us a follow on YouTube, All Steelers Talk. Follow myself, Donnie drewin at Donnie drewin and follow my co host at Noah Strack on Twitter. Go to give us a like on Facebook. All Steelers on Sports Illustrated basically anywhere you can find any information we are there and we are also here right now Noah another beautiful week in Steelers country training camp quickly approaching how are you doing
1: I'm doing great we're almost here we're a week and a half a week and a half away from training camp when we find out whether or not Dwayne Haskins is the next Ben Roethlisberger, whether or not James Pierre is the next Stephen Nelson I'm excited
2: yeah, you know, no doubt a lot of questions will be answered, and I feel like a lot of the offseason uh, talk, malarkey, however you want to pull it, will finally be put to rest one way or another whenever the, plaid, the pads, excuse me, start clicking at Heinz Field. Not Latrobe for whatever reason, at Heinz Field, but that's another topic and another issue and another rant for another day. We're focused on the here and now and who is here and now in Pittsburgh Troy Palamalu, the, uh, the flying Hawaiian, the, the quietest superstar I have ever seen in sports media, finally held a press conference saying that he would be there for the Steelers' Ring of Honor induction, also offered a few words on you know the, the Steelers and his departure, and basically everything else. Noah, you're the insider. You have all the information pertaining to the Steelers. You know everything there is to know about the black and gold. What did you make of Troy Palamalu's comments today?
1: I think it's huge. I think after a long time of waiting for Troy Polamalu and the Steelers to mend their relationship, we're finally getting places. I don't know if it's 100% healthy. I don't know what's going on, but I think Troy getting into the Hall of Fame opened doors. It allowed the Steelers to just say, hey, look it, we get that the way it ended wasn't great. We get that you were upset, but you had the best career a Steelers safety has ever had here you know this city loves you more than they love almost anybody to ever play football you got to come home and you, and we have to make things right and this is how it goes and him vowing to come to a couple of games and vowing to come to his hall of fame ceremony in Pittsburgh that's huge i mean he's going to be here fans are going to love it and the city of Pittsburgh is finally going to embrace their retired star for the first time since he dressed in a uniform and i, I don't think many people realize that this has been a long time coming for people to get another glimpse of Troy Palamala. Definitely, and uh, one of the uh, one of the better
2: quotes today, uh, pulled from ninety three point seven, the fans is quote, and this is from Troy himself. If you're in Pittsburgh and you're not a Steelers fan, you're not from Pittsburgh. You're kind of like a passerby, and that that was the the extensive the quotes that Palamala had today. Um, you know, like you had aforementioned, Palomalu said he would be here for a couple games during the upcoming season with his family, and he said he hasn't been to any games just because his kids have been, you know, actively involved in sports. And, um, you know, and I, I'll be honest, man, as, as a Pittsburgh fan, you know, as a Steelers fan who grew up watching Palomalu idolizing him whenever I was on the little, you know, flag football, and you know, wee field and stuff, uh, the way he left the organization kind of broke my heart. You know, you, oh, you yeah. never want to see that, from anybody, let alone uh, a guy such as Paul Amalu. And, you know, let's be real. It kind of happened with a guy like Heinz Ward as well and the way he departed. Um, it felt like Paul Amalu was shoved out the door for better or worse. You know, I was definitely in favor. I, I didn't think Paul Amalu had a lot left in the tank and um, you know, I think whether people liked him better or not, there's a little bit of bad blood between the organization and Troy for what felt like a long time. And, you know, I'm sure Troy's silence throughout the years, it didn't necessarily help that, but that's, who Troy is, you know, Paul Maller's never been one to go to the media, you know, raise red flags, or you know, start running his mouth left or right. But like you said, I, I feel like once he actually got into the Hall of Fame, it opened up a lot of doors. It opened up a lot of conversations that he had. And it, it's just so nice to see what, you know, appears on the outside to be, um, you know, mending fences between the Steelers and Troy.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent, and I agree. I think that it broke everybody's heart. What the way that Troy left after a Hall of Fame career, and everybody knew he was going to be a Hall of Famer when he left, was rough. I mean, Heinz Ward crying at the podium—that stunk. That that you know stung a lot for for a fan. But the way Troy went out, it just felt like they made him go. They were like, "Hey, you've been injured a couple of years now. We need to fill that position. You're not the guy anymore." you got to leave. It clearly didn't work because it took them years before they found Minka Fitzpatrick. And before that, Mike Mitchell was the answer and he was not the answer. And Troy just vanished. And he did what Troy does, which was remain quiet. He went and spent time with his family. But he said in his Hall of Fame presser that Pittsburgh is home. And we all knew that Pittsburgh was home. So it was rough to know that you know Troy isn't even associating himself with the city. And at times, the city of Pittsburgh literally was Troy Polamalu. Like, if you thought of the Steelers, you thought of Troy Polamalu. If you thought of the city of champions, you thought of Troy Polamalu. And for him to be totally gone for as long as he has been, has been rough. And it's hurt a lot of people's hearts, and I'm sure that includes Troy. But to see him come back, I mean, it's huge. Let me ask you this. Do you think that there will be a game that has higher attendance this season than a game that you know Troy Polamalu is going to be at, or a game that they honor Troy at? No. The,
2: what, what's the capacity for Hinesfield? 68,000, right? It's, it's got to yeah. be somewhere along the lines. It, that's That's got to be like 85,000 people in there, minimum, yeah. <laughs> for, for whatever. You're going to see people um, just climbing over the fences, oh, you yeah. know, just, you know, rushing through the ticket gates, a chance like that, because I think you already touched on it a little bit earlier, Hinesfield. Like, when have we seen this? We, we have never seen Paul Amalu, one, at Steelers game, and two, be happy to be at the Steelers game after yep. his retirement. So, you know, th- those two things combined together. And I, I think one of the things I miss most about Paul Amalu's time in Pittsburgh are all of the Ginzers, like pronouncing his name, Paul Amaru. You know, <laughs> you know, P- Palamu was a good one back in the day. It's just like all, all of the hilarious stuff, uh, you know, Western PA people, of like to the, the say his name and associate with him, definitely. But um, going from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Fame coach, Bill Cower, who actually did indeed coach Palomalu during his tenure with the Steelers, will also be in Canton. Will also probably be going into the uh, Steelers Ring of Honor. I don't know if he's actually in there right now, but if he's not, he definitely will be there in the near future. And he had uh, brought up the you know, Steelers will be playing the Cowboys in the Hall of Fame game to kick off the NFL's 2021 preseason. And he had mentioned that if Mike Tomlin was feeling up to it, that he would love to call a play. And you know former defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau would be right there beside him uh, whenever that play call would come in as well. Noah, uh, you, know, you, you said it before the podcast even started. I think if there was ever a dream to be had for any Steeler fan out there, Especially now, you know, with the Super Bowl drought, and as as much as people love to bring up a Bill Cowher and how his teams were great, his teams were tough, this, this, and that. What a better time for him to go on the sideline, appear next to Mike Tomlin, (laughs) who, you know, let's face it, probably will be a Hall of Famer if Bill Cowher got in. I think Tomlin does get in. And make the play call in, in the NFL preseason
1: game. I, I, I can't think of a better way to kick off the season. Like, where do you go from there? You know, you don't. You don't go anywhere. You call it yeah. a day. You say either this is going to be the greatest NFL season of all time, or you just hang it up. You just go. This was it. We peaked real early, and that's fine. We got a whole year's worth of action in one play call. I, I tweeted it out earlier, and you know, I'll use my own words. It's like you look at the, you're watching from home because most people will be watching from home. The camera goes over to the sideline and it's Mike Tomlin talking to Bill Cowher on the sideline. And then all of a sudden, Bill Cowher is just like, Hey, Dick, come over here. Dick LeBeau just comes walking over. And next thing you know, you're like, They're calling place. I got chills right now talking about it. And this isn't even happening in front of me. Imagine it happening in front of everybody. You want football to be back. And then imagine if the play happens. Imagine if Vince Williams or TJ Watt or Cam Hayward get to the quarterback and take them down on a Dick LeBeau, Bill Cower play. I mean, you want that's heaven for Steelers fans. That is, we've peaked. There has never been a greatest, a greater moment in all of sports than the year that Bill Cower and Dick LeBeau called a play during a preseason game, and it worked. After they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, the same year that Troy Polamalu returns to Heinz Field. The same year that a pandemic has ended and we have beat COVID, fans are back. Ben's last ride, potential Super Bowl team. I mean, I don't know. I don't, if there was a storybook season, it starts with Bill Cowher and Dick LeBeau calling a blitz on third and eight against the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Noah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't hear a lot of what you just said because all I heard were the stars aligning. <laughs> In Pittsburgh, above Heinz Field, right now, <laughs> I, 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 I almost felt like I was in church for a little bit there while you were talking. Like you, you like you, you were literally preaching the gospel <laughs> for people like me and so many other people, you know, who have watched the Steelers every single Sunday for what feels like ever since we've all been alive, you know. That's- so for for that to happen, and then you know, I don't think that's a crazy possibility either. It's a preseason game. I think if Mike Tomlin were to approach, you know, both Cowan and LeBone and be like, hey, you know, it's preseason, you should keep it vanilla. Why not let him call a series or two? You know what, oh, yeah. what's going to be the harm in that? You know you're not playing to win; you're just looking to you know get some guys some reps out there, especially in the first of four preseason games as well. So I, I think there's absolutely
1: no harm that can be done by doing that. No, gosh, no. If it, I mean, Mike Tomlin has for one has relaxed throughout his tenure in the NFL and in Pittsburgh. He's he's gone from a guy who's all business to a guy who's pretty much all business. But you know, Mike Tomlin likes to have fun, and he likes to bring some fun into a football game. He, last year, Ben Roethlisberger was drawing plays in the dirt. Mike Tomlin knew exactly what he was doing then. This year, if he wants to get for one, his team riled up, two, the fans riled up on a year that they're coming home for the first time in two years, he's gonna let Bill Cower call play. I don't know if Dick Lebeau could be there. I don't even know how that would work because he's already in the Hall of Fame. There's not really a reason for him to be at that game. I'm but it doesn't Third matter. Bill comes there. out here. I'm equally as excited. Dick, don't get me wrong. Dick LeBeau shows up, and we have peaked. There's no better moment. In what the, if, you what if the game? What, what, what
2: if Dick LeBeau showed up? Um, I don't know if you ever watched like wrestling growing up, but like you hear like <laughs> the glass break, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he's just like walking down the sideline.
1: Yeah, even better. All right, Dick LeBeau comes out. Steve Austin breaks. Shh, you know he comes <laughs> walking down. <laughs> 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 Nick LeBeau's on the sideline calling a play. You're looking out, and they're on the field, and they're like, who is this 92? James Harrison is lined up on the edge opposite T.J. Watt. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's over. You, will, If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and you watch another game after that, you've done yourself an injustice because that that right there is how you should end anything that you were doing.
2: I don't even think they should play the rest of the preseason or the regular season. Just plan plan the, the parade for the Lombardi trophy. 1 and 0. That's what I'm regardless saying. Regardless of how the,
1: the preseason game ends against the Cowboys, just don't even play. You already won another Super Bowl right there. That's what I mean. If you and just like on a realistic standpoint, the fans, like I said a couple of times now, the fans are coming back to Pittsburgh to Heinz Field for the first time in 2 years. Uh, uh, For a team that just started 11-0 last season, and I don't care how hard their schedule is, they could easily have a hot start again this season. You want fans riled up. You want them going nuts. You want them to believe this is the year that something special could really, really happen. You have your Hall of Fame coach call a series in the first preseason game in Canton, Ohio, and that's it.
2: Can, can you imagine the amount of money people can make by selling T-shirts with like Tomlin and Cowher standing next to each other? Oh, my gosh.
1: You'd have to own it. And you'd have to figure out that's the first question I would ask. In that, in that post-game press conference, the only thing I'm looking for is what play did you call? What, what, yeah. what was the play that you called as Bill Coward? Like, Because that's it. That's a marketing genius right there. I mean, and whatever. Like again, we're just talking like this is like, you know, if it just happens. Imagine if it works and it works well. Minka picks the ball off, you know what I mean? Takes it to the house. Joe Hayden somehow comes up with it. You know, TJ gets to the quarterback. It could get so beyond crazy. If you're the Dallas Cowboys and you're standing on the other sideline, Bill Cowher just smoked you on a play call that Dick LeBeau just came charging out the locker room with. You're not playing the rest of the game. you got nothing left. You've given up morally, mentally, and you're just like, hey, you know what? We've, we've lost this one. You deserve to win it. dude. I,
2: I can picture it now. Minka picks the ball off. High steps like Deion Sanders, 40 yards down the sideline to the end zone. Has Dick LeBeau autographed the ball with a Sharpie. He pulls out <laughs> of his sock and walks it right next to the Hall of Fame. Can't submit it.
1: It'll be in there oh, forever. Gosh, yeah. And Troy Palamal is the first one to dap him up on the yep. sideline. <laughs> Like I don't know. I, I don't know why Bill's been thinking about this for a minute. Let's not act like we're the first ones getting this excited. He's been in the he's been in the mirror, like driving his car, getting getting this all riled up, and he's like, Oh my gosh, if it happens, you know, I,
2: I, I believe you because he's had that coaching itch for a really long time. Really? Ever long since time. yeah, ever since he's been a studio analyst for CBS, you know, like there's been numerous job offers that have come across his desk. You know, to get him back into coaching, so you 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 know it's there. You know, he you know he wants to coach again without having all of the stress and you know having to put all
1: the work behind the scenes. Yep. Does it work? I mean, what if it? What, what if Bill Cower goes in there, calls a series? It's a phenomenal series, then he realizes I'm not done. And then boom, <laughs> he's back on the field. I don't know where it'd be. But oh. He's back on the field. This could be the snowball
2: effect we need. Maybe. You know, if all of it happens, I think everybody can go and look back at us as the main proprietors of this. So, you know, big shout out to us. Uh, I I think after the podcast, we'll get started on some T-shirt ideas for the whole I
1: already have the guy in the back printing it out. We're fine. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh,
2: Speaking of T-shirts, a guy who might be able to fit in a few sizes, smaller T-shirts, Ben Roethlisberger, heads into a 2021 training camp. Obsessed with his diet are the rumors and reports around him. Noah, I haven't seen Big Ben in person in 2021. You have seen Big Ben in person in 2021. Are we looking at the next Tom Brady? Is he doing the keto?
1: Is he getting a lot of kettlebell work in? What's he doing, man? I, I don't know what's going on. For one, this Ryan Burr report came out of nowhere. When the story was about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, that's where it all started, which I thought was real weird. And then it talked about how Ben is obsessed with his diet. He's on a Tom Brady like diet, and immediately the comparison started. Well, Ben looks like this. Tom Brady looks at, like this. As someone who knows very well that no matter how good you eat, you may always be fat. It's just what it is. Maybe that's just how it is. You know, some people are just big boned. I'm a big bone guy. Ben Roethlisberger is a big bone guy. It be what it'd be. Does it be. Doesn't mean he's work. He's actually doing it. I don't know. Does he look like he's actually doing it? Ben Roethlisberger looks exactly the same at 39 that he did at 23. So I don't, I don't have any answers there.
2: <laughs> so th- th- this is what Burr tweeted out uh, quote. Ben camp says his biggest concern is weight loss that uh, Ryan Burr reported on Twitter. He has been so driven since the season ended. A source says his diet is stricter than Tom Brady's. Now, no, I, I don't know a whole lot about Tom Brady's diet. I do know that Tom Brady probably hasn't inhaled a carbohydrate in maybe 14 years. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I don't know exactly what can be stricter than that. I mean, it, it, is Big Ben going to pull up with like a six pack here in a month? Like, I, I don't know. I, reading
1: that, I have no clue. I have no idea. At Tom Brady, I read some to, at some point throughout his career, I read that Tom Brady doesn't eat sugar, like nothing with sugar. And I don't even, I didn't think that was humanly possible. Like I thought that you like needed sugar to survive as a person, but apparently not if you're Tom Brady, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to expect. It came out of nowhere that for one, I like, I mean, and no offense to this guy, but I didn't know who Ryan Burr was when I saw the report. And then I looked it up and I was like, okay, so, you know, NBC, it's a creditable source, like, I I've never seen him. I've never met him. I don't know how close he is to Ben's camp, but apparently he's close enough to know that Ben's out here just eliminating all processed foods from his diet. I don't, I don't know. And here, like, here's my question. Ben Roethlisberger is 39 years old. I could see if he was obsessed with his diet saying I need to last longer in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger started 11 and all through for 3,800 yards last season, or yeah, 3,800 yards last season, 33 touchdowns. And you're telling me that he just needs to change how, what he's doing because he wasn't lasting long enough. I don't know. It could come down it, to injuries though.
2: It, it might be. And, you know, granted uh, Ben has kind of felt the wrath of the injury bug throughout his career. So maybe he's at the twilight. Maybe he's at the very end of his career and he's thinking, Hey, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'll try to do whatever I can to fully prepare myself the last these next couple of years. Cause I I know this was a hot topic throughout the offseason, but I mean, from everything Big Ben has, you know, given us, you know, no words, but just like through actions and, you know, everything else we've seen. It doesn't sound like he wants to stop playing football in 2021. And I I think the, the latest diet report may be another indication of that. I mean, apparently Big Ben's camp also said that, quote, he's in the best shape of his life. But I feel like that is a story for every single player going to every single training camp year after year. They're in the best shape of their life.
1: Yeah, I would say that that could be different. Like, I mean, we look at Ben. Ben's always been a bigger dude. You know what I mean? I don't think Ben's really paid that much attention to being in shape. So maybe that is true. Maybe he is in the best shape of his life. I don't know what the best shape of Ben Roethlisberger's life really is or how impressive that is. You know what I mean? It's Ben Roethlisberger. The dude's known for being ginormous and His able nickname to is back. Big Ben, bro. Big like, Ben. It's not like, like it's, yeah. it's not when like fitting Big Ben. It's <laughs> not like, like, you know, Special case Strawberry Cereal, Ben, bro, it's Big Ben, dude. It's like, Big Ben. Like he's not, I don't know what, I don't know what the standards are here because our entire life, uh, our entire Ben Roethlisberger filled life has never once been about Ben Roethlisberger needing to be or being in shape. It's never been he's big and he's too big or he's working to get smaller. It's just big Ben Roethlisberger, the baddest man on the football field, who can take on anyone because he's huge. Now apparently he wants to be skinny. I don't know. For one, if he is focused on this and it isn't an injury thing, he's just thinking – I need to be in the best shape of my life. There's got to be two reasons behind it, or at least you know, there's a. It's either a concern or he's thinking ahead. One, he's thinking this year I got to be mobile because he doesn't have an offensive line, or no one brought it up to him that he doesn't have an offensive line, so maybe he should be a little bigger than smaller. Well, I I will
2: I will say that in the uh, the NBC Sports article. That kind of details what Burr had said. Apparently, Roethlisberger's camp had mentioned that Ben, quote-unquote, hears everything. Um, I don't know if he recently got like a bunch of earwax removed out of his ears uh, because apparently Ben's not on Twitter. Somebody else runs that Twitter account for him. Whenever I talked to Zach Brander earlier in the year, he said that Ben doesn't even look at social media. So I'm not super sure you know, exactly how Ben is able to hear and anything or everything, excuse me. Maybe they put, like, bulletin board material up every single day for him. I, maybe they clipped
1: out in the newspaper if those didn't even exist anymore. He turned, he turned ESPN on for one day and caught Mike Tannenbaum talking smack. That's exactly what happened. He turned on, get up, was like, oh, Mike Greenberg, I haven't listened to him in a while, and all of a sudden everybody was just trashing him. And he was, just, and he turned it off before Dan Or Orwaleski or whatever started talking. And he was like, "That's it, man. I'm not again. No more disrespect." And here we are. So you could thank Mike Tannenbaum and his very, very harsh ways towards Ben Roethlisberger for this.
2: Yeah, uh, quarterbacks that never stop talking are kind of a uh, a redundant, newfound wave in media. I feel like every news station has you know at least one former pro quarterback that you know just can't. Can't seem to stop talking about whatever it may be, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger, whether it's Ron playing career, whether it's any young kid who enters the draft whatsoever. Uh, the Cleveland Browns do indeed have their own quarterback who never stops talking, in Baker Mayfield and the uh, the twenty twenty two Super Bowl champions. Excuse me, the twenty twenty two offseason Super Bowl champion, Cleveland Don't Browns be throwing that out there. Five time repeating champions is paper champions heading into the offseason, <laughs> heading into the training camp, Cleveland Browns, they've done a phenomenal job of that so far. And it looks again, heading into the 21, 2021, excuse me, training camp that, that will again be their sixth off season championship in a row. There's a lot of talk about Baker Mayfield's <laughs> contract extension coming up. I mean, there's a lot of talk, you know, for a guy who also does a lot of talking as well, it's really no surprise. Before we go any further though, I want to say I love his progressive commercials. I think
1: they're hilarious. Oh, yes. oh gosh, yeah, Baker Mayfield anywhere anywhere on television, Baker Mayfield's pretty hilarious. Like I'll give you, I think we talked about this last year is how much how hard it is to dislike Baker Mayfield because man. He is hilarious on his Oh yeah, record.
2: I I really liked him coming out of the draft. I, I think he was my quarterback one. Whenever he grabbed his nuts on the sideline against Kansas that one game <laughs> where they blew him out like fifty two to zero. Yeah, but ever since then he was my guy. It really did suck seeing him go to Cleveland. Uh, but he's had some success there. You know, the the Browns ended up beating the Steelers in the playoff game last year. A lot of people, including myself, think to win the division heading into twenty twenty one. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about. Baker Mayfield and whether or not he deserves that big second more sorry big first payday and that big second contract as an NFL
1: quarterback I don't know that's tough to say I mean you look at Baker Mayfield and you think if he's going to get a big contract it's going to be right now probably this offseason and it's got to be somewhere near Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson maybe it's not as high as them but it's got to be right there around that the difference is I don't think that there's that little of a gap. I'm not going to say that Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback, but if we're putting Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen in like the top five, Baker Mayfield's more towards like 10. And I don't know if you get paid like a top five just because you're on a good team if you're Baker Mayfield. That being said, I don't know if the, Cleveland Browns are Super Bowl contenders without Baker Mayfield. And see, that's kind of the thing, you know. uh,
2: How do you get to a Super Bowl, especially in the AFC, loaded like it is right now, top-heavy with talented teams? How do you get to a Super Bowl without good quarterback play? But let me ask you this question. Do you think if you were to take Baker Mayfield off the Browns and plug in quarterbacks such as Lamar Jackson, such as Josh Allen,
1: Do you think they make a deep run into the playoffs? Because I do. Oh, I think that if you put Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, he leaves me worried. I think that I'd be less worried if he was on a good team, but he leaves me worried. If you put Josh Allen Allen in Cleveland, they're winning the Super Bowl. Probably every single time you put them on the field because the Cleveland Browns have the best roster in the NFL. I think that that's maybe maybe if you dug it down, it's not for every position. But I think overall, the Cleveland Browns probably have the best roster in football. And Josh Allen, in my opinion, is going to be the best quarterback in football this season. And I I don't think you stop that. I think that you know, you got an Odell Beckham, you got a Jarvis Landry, you got a Peoples Jones, you got like 12 tight ends and the best running backs in the NFL on top of a top five offensive line. Josh Allen's probably putting up 40 points a game. So, yeah, I do think that they win a Super Bowl. And that's that's where I, that's where what I meant with the Baker Mayfield being below these guys is that you put Josh Allen on the Browns right now, they win a Super Bowl, and I'm like 99% confident in that. I'm not even 50% confident that the Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl this year. So I'm I'm very confident that they get to the playoffs this year,
2: whether it be yeah, yeah. through a wild card spot or through winning a division. Um I, I think I think they need to win another playoff game to kind of establish and, you know, sustain themselves as an actual, you know, threat to win a Super Bowl every year moving forward. I mean, that's a very talented roster. That's a very talented young roster that should be able to compete year after year. Moving forward, you know, even with the Kansas City Chiefs like they are, even with the Buffalo Bills like they are, even, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens thinking they like what they are, they should Ooh. be able to compete year after year with that. And touching back to your point, do the Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl without Baker Mayfield? No, I I, I don't think they do. Um, and, you know, from from that perspective, yeah, you know, you definitely do need to pay Baker Mayfield. Excuse me. But then a question pops up after that. It's like, how much do you pay him? Because nobody's gonna hit Mahomes' money. Deshaun Watson wasn't even gonna hit Mahomes' money before all, all of that stuff happened. I don't think Lamar uh, or uh, you know Josh Allen would have hit that. So it's like, okay, like where does he go? But the problem with that is that the NFL is a league where you know, assuming the salary cap jumps back up like it should next year, it's a league where every new contract has to outdo the last one. Every quarterback, every big player has to be the newest high played player in the NFL at their position and NFL history for whatever side of the ball, whatever. And I think Baker's camp may be able to hold up for a big payday from the Browns because when's the last time a huge quarterback was able to play like that for Cleveland? Bernie Kosar, literally mm-hmm. three decades ago. 30 years without really good quarterback player. And you finally get a half-decent quarterback back there, and you're, you're going to let him look because you don't want to pay him next extra four or $5 million a year. You know, is it is it really going to be worth that? I think that's going to be a focal point that Baker's uh, camp is going to bring up in negotiations with the front office.
1: Yeah, definitely. At the, I, and that's the issue is maybe Baker Mayfield isn't worth this money. But what is the alternative is the alternative to put this team together and then say, OK, well, we're good enough where we're not going to get a quarterback that's ready to start right away but we don't have a quarterback that is here enough to be a top five paid quarterback in the NFL. And that's what they're going to have to make the decision on. Are they willing to basically start over or pay Baker Mayfield more monies than he's worth and risk in two years, just totally collapsing everything because in two years after you sign a quarterback, you're not going to be able to sign anybody else. You know, you're not getting another Miles Garrett contract out of a team with Baker Mayfield just signed. It's not like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's situation is rough. And but what he's done to the, to the salary cap in Pittsburgh has been very, very rough. But he's on his way out and right at the perfect time because they're about to sign TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, eventually Devin Bush, their entire offensive line at some point probably Najee in a couple of years you, you have to resign at least one of the wide receivers you know what I mean so they have all these guys that now need big contracts and they're going to lose that quarterback well if Cleveland has that quarterback and they can't afford anything else guys are going to start falling off left and right and then it's going to come down to can Baker Mayfield lead this team I don't know I think Cleveland's in a rough situation to just look at this whole thing and say we have a solution I think Cleveland is in a we need to win the Super Bowl within the next two years before this all goes to crap for another 10 years or whatever it is. Yeah, undoubtedly. And I
2: think if you look, historically speaking, back at Super Bowl winning rosters, a lot of rosters have been curated around a quarterback on the rookie contract. So I, I definitely do agree with you that the Browns are kind of in a win now mode and whatever it comes down to Baker Mayfield. I think he's a good quarterback but I also happen to think he's a very streaky quarterback. There are games where I watch of him and he looks every bit like the number one draft pick Cleveland picked him out to be. And there are games where I watch him and like he's only won I think he's like 1 in 6, 1 in 7 against the Ravens so far through his career. Like how how do you expect to make that next level, make, you know, get to that, you know, next part of your career? And take the Browns to the next level in the playoffs. If you you've only won one out of like seven or eight games against you know your division rival, Baltimore Ravens, a team that you know you should be superior with whenever you match up the rosters, at least speaking this year. But it, while you were talking though, a scenario kind of popped in my head, and I do want to get your opinion on it. I don't think this happens at all, but with the roster ready to win now, and you know Cleveland. Basically feeling like a Super Bowl needs to be won within the next couple years. Everybody already on their contracts. Would you how would you feel about the Browns pulling off the deal for Aaron Rodgers? Sending Baker Mayfield to Green Bay, getting Aaron Rodgers on the tail end of his career, quarterback who is you know is reigning MVP, looks like he's still got a lot left in the tank. Like at least from
1: like a football aspect, do you think that would be enough to put him over the top? I don't know. That's tough because Okay, you look at it, and it might be the same situation. You know, you look at it, Aaron Rodgers. You take on Aaron Rodgers' contract. You have to sign him to another contract that's going to be ginormous. It's, it's probably going to be just about the same as Baker Mayfield's. The difference is that with Aaron Rodgers on the team, you're almost like guaranteed a Super Bowl appearance at bare minimum, at least one of them, if not two or three of them. That's a risk that you're going to take with Baker Mayfield, and until proven otherwise, that's all it is is a risk. But it comes down to the same thing. In two or three years, Aaron Rodgers could be done. You know, he could just hang it up, call it a call it a career, and then you're left without anything, and you have to go right back to to the same place. And the difference is is that you still couldn't re sign all of these guys, and now you don't have a quarterback. Whereas with Baker. You couldn't re-sign all these guys, but at least you have a quarterback for the next five or six years. I don't know. I think either way, it doesn't work. I think that Baker Mayfield is just a question mark that they're going to have to take a risk on, and that risk, in my opinion, is going to come back to bite them in the butt. Yeah,
2: I think anyway, the the cookie crumbles for them. I mean, it's going to be really tough, and I know they hung with the Kansas City Chiefs for a big majority of that game last year in the divisional playoffs. It's going to be really tough for the Browns to overcome both that Kansas City Chiefs team and that Buffalo Bills team, you know
1: oh yeah even
2: even if they get there to yep. the Super Bowl, I mean Tampa Bay has just brought back all twenty three starters I mean they're the first team ever in the Super Bowl era to win the Super Bowl and bring back every
1: starting player on both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball yep that's that's the that's the it factor with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing is at least with a guy like Josh Allen, at least with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, at least with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you have confidence that if they meet Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, they're going to put up a pretty good fight. I have no confidence and I don't know if a lot of people have that much confidence that Baker Mayfield's going to go one-on-one with Tom Brady and pull it off in the Super Bowl. That just does not seem like a Baker Mayfield thing. Like I get it, he's he's got these the cockiest guy in football, but I just I don't think he's I don't think he's good enough to to back up all that talk and I definitely think that Baker mayfield's the dude that'll say something before the Super Bowl and Steelers fans know this throughout time that you don't talk when you're facing Tom Brady you just don't do it so I don't know man i i I'm a lot of people are giving Baker mayfield the benefit of the doubt I don't think it goes that way I think he gets a contract and I think it comes back to hurt Cleveland in a couple of years.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, for pretend media guys like you and I to kind of sit here and debate whether or not Baker's actually going to get a contract or not, I, I think both you and I know that he is. And, you know, he will be one of the, you know, highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. It's how the it's how the business works, you know, you know whether we think he's a good quarterback or not. The Browns would think he's a very good quarterback and they're probably going to pay him as such. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the Super Bowls can be debated, you know, whether or not that team is – talented enough to get past the other teams in afc can be debated but i mean for right now cleveland it looks like they have a really good team on paper a lot of people are expecting them to come through and a big part of them coming through is going to be on baker maple
1: yep before we we end this this talk right now i'll throw this out there that i'm almost positive that russell wilson is the last quarterback to be paid as a top five quarterback and win the Super Bowl. I'm I'm almost positive on that stat. And that's in like 2011. So it, odds aren't against. The, the The odds are not in favor. History is certainly not in favor of anybody getting that contract.
2: History is not in favor indeed. But history does favor the hardworking. And you will find no more too hardworking people in the room than yours truly and Noah Strackbine. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of All Steelers Talk. Go to follow us on Twitter at SI on the score Steelers. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, All Steelers Talk. Go to give us a like on Facebook, All Steelers on Sports Illustrated, or go to allsteelers.com or si.com slash NFL slash Steelers. It's been real. You know, I've been Donnie. You've been Noah. Guys, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.